Marketed Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. With us is Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Bill, welcome. Thanks, Michael. Good to be with you. So, uh, obviously, I'm broadcasting to you, or talking to you, I should say, from Boston, and there's only one topic on our minds here, and it seems that way across the nation as well. Well, I thought of you guys, obviously, last week. I, I lived over a decade in Boston. I was went attend, I didn't run in the Boston Marathon, but I certainly was there at its close a couple of times, and I lived in Cambridge, not that far when I was in grad school from where, apparently, the, the brothers lived. So, you, you see, it's one thing, somehow, obviously, all, you know, if it happens anywhere, it's terrible, and... Uh, and so forth, but somehow when it happens in a place you've been, you know, I've been, and my Susan and I have lived in so near there, and you recognize the, the, the photos, the TV shoots, the, the TV uh, images, you know, of, uh, near Central Square or whatever, near MIT, it, it, it brings it home in a way, and so I, I'm, I'm uh, the, it seems like the citizens of Boston behaved in an exemplary way, it seems like the police force did a good job, and uh, the city really rallied together, and I think you have a good example of, you know, we always worry, we conservatives, that America is getting decadent and in decline, and do the citizens have what it takes, and you get one of these kinds of uh, crises and challenges, and it is, in that respect, it's certainly reassuring about the American people, and so people in Boston have a lot to be proud of. The headline for this story, is it first successful terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11? Uh, is it... Uh, it, uh, two Chechens who were on an FBI watch list who were dropped. Is it the resilience of the people after the attack? What would be the big headline for you, Bill? I guess all of them, but at the end of the day, I mean, these are two guys, uh, one of whom went to, they, they, they were reported to the FBI by a foreign government, one of them goes to, not just to Russia, but to Dagestan, apparently, and uh, less than a year ago, comes back and they succeed in killing and wounding uh, Americans and, and then escaping, at least at first, so they can then kill and wound uh, more Americans uh, in the in the chase and endanger many many others. Shut down a city for a day, so it is not a success story. I mean, I was on TV yesterday, and uh, the attitude of Senator Feinstein uh, to Jane Harman, with whom I was on the panel, former Democratic congressman, was basically the system worked. You know, the system worked. It's a law enforcement matter, and uh, you know we should be happy. We'll be we killed one of the uh, uh, perpetrators, and we're going to be able to convict the other. And I I really don't agree with that. I was kind of shocked actually by the complacency of the establishment, the media establishment, the political establishment. It's sort of, well, that's okay, now we can move on. I was most struck when Senator Feinstein said early in our show on Fox News Sunday, she really doesn't even like the fact that we're having this discussion, this debate. She didn't like the fact that Peter King was suggesting that maybe we should treat uh, this guy as an enemy combatant because, you know, it's sort of it's disruptive and politicizes it all. So really, we're just supposed to sort of sit back and think that's fine, the whole, everything, there's no need to relook, take a fresh look at our procedures and think about whether we're properly set up to fight what is a war, not just a law enforcement matter. A new poll out this morning, I think the Washington Post had it said that two-thirds of Americans say there's just nothing you can do about bombings like this, and I, I, I think rational people understand that if there's a true bad actor and they're determined, they can find a way to hurt you if they truly want to. But having said that, Bill, I mean, this case... I mean, if you were doing CSI terrorism, this would be done in 50 minutes. The guy who the FBI had already been warned about goes to a terrorist country, posts on websites his Islamist, Islamist leanings, uh, you know, screams out in the Islamic Society of Boston because he's so angry about talking about Martin Luther King. I mean, he did everything but identify himself as likely suspect, yet apparently he didn't arise on anyone's radar until his photos were released to the public. But I hate that sense that there's nothing you can do about it. Obviously, 
can you ever fully do away with the chance of people getting through the uh, and killing uh, Americans? Uh, no, I mean, but it's like saying in the mid '90s, nothing you can do about crime in New York. It's a demographic problem. It's a problem of our society. It's a problem of the collapse of the family. Tell that to Rudy Giuliani and tell that to other others in the last 15 years who who actually made policy changes which radically cut uh, the incidence of violent crime. Didn't do away with it, but cut it. After 9-11, we took a fresh look at all of our systems, and I think we did a pretty good job, actually, at tightening up, connecting the dots. But now we seem to have the attitude, and I'm really worried about this, we seem to have an attitude not only of not connecting the dots, but of kind of purposefully disconnecting the dots. The FBI seems to be under some pressure not to follow up on on uh, claims of Islamic uh, terror. That certainly the media is not interested in talking about that. And in general, I think if you look from Benghazi to Boston, one has the sense of the parts of the U.S. government, certainly the political parts, political apparatus at the top of the U.S. government, not wanting to draw the conclusions of what happened. And that's worrisome, not just because we should know what happened, because we have policy choices to make about the future. And and that, I am I am worried that around the world, terror-related groups are looking up, terror groups and, and some of the, their backers are looking up and saying, gee, the U.S. doesn't look uh, very strong, looks like it's in a bit of retreat. They can still kill the individuals often who perpetrate these crimes, but um, looks like we have some real opportunities here. I'd hate it. I'd hate it for those terrorists and terror groups to have that sense, but I'm worried that we're giving it to them. Uh, here in Massachusetts, another uh, headline that's grabbing our attention is that there may be other people involved. Uh, you know, There's a headline out of the, uh, the U.K. about a terror cell of 12 people. Uh, more immediate, we have some arrests down at UMass Dartmouth where the younger Zarnev brother was a student. It seems to me that if there were ever a classic case for let's put gathering intelligence ahead of prosecuting a crime, this would be it. And yet, it, and yet the uh, debate rages you should read him as Miranda writes and treat him like he just murdered someone during a robbery. Totally agree. I mean, it's really in, incomprehensible to me why we're not treating him for now, at least as an enemy combatant. We don't need his confession or his testimony to convict him of the crimes he committed. What we do need is his um, uh, finding out from him who else is out there, what the connections are domestically in Boston, maybe around the country, and internationally, uh, both because we need to understand this better and also because there might be future efforts. I mean, was he the only Chechenian who was who flew out was at the training camp? I mean, let's just assume, I mean, unfortunately, the older, not unfortunately, way, but the older brother is the one who was killed. He presumably knew much more. But the younger brother might well know. Did other Americans go to train over there? Wouldn't that be kind of a useful thing to know? Who in the Chechenian community in Boston knows the most about this kind of stuff? Not necessarily that they committed some crime, but maybe they're also in touch with people back there. And what other connections are there? I mean, it's just crazy, I think, not to sort of not to go ahead and find out what we can about what is an ongoing threat. That's the fundamental difference. Some of us think there is a Islamic jihadist war against the U.S. We've done a pretty good job of pushing it back, but it is an ongoing threat, and has to be treated that way. Other people want to say, well, that was a crime, and we seem to have solved it, and so the system worked, and let's move on. Uh, the Russians warned us about uh, the older Sarniev brother, and what jumps out at me, Bill, is that these are the Russians. You know, they're used to dealing with rough characters. It's not like you got a call from the Belgians. You know, they 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 could be frightened of a guy who doesn't properly syrup his you know his waffle. But the Russians, if they say the guy's dangerous, it seems to me the guy's probably pretty dangerous. Well, here's what I mean. If you talk, I talk to people in government about this. And on the one hand, the, the Russians hate the Chechens for a million different reasons. And so you, you, there's a sense, and I don't disagree with this, you have to discount, you know, maybe they're just trying to sort of 
you know, just handle, get us to be suspicious of every Chechen who's come to the U.S., especially anyone who came as a political refugee. On the other hand, so that would be, you know, a fair suspicion. Sure. On the other hand, I'm told, I'm told by someone close to the process of the investigation that the Russians didn't just throw this guy's name and say, hey, look, take a look at this guy, we don't like him. They had a pretty detailed, I'm told, dossier of his contacts with um, with you know Chechnya and uh, terrorists back down or in Dagestan or wherever it was uh, in the Caucasus. So, I, I mean, we don't know that, and obviously the FBI will take a fresh look at what the Russians said. But gee, for the Russians to call um, our attention to him, we went and interviewed him. He then goes abroad. He then goes abroad within a year, spends seven months abroad, comes back into the country, I suppose, on a Russian passport or maybe it was a Kyrgyz passport. I'm not clear on that. And it doesn't, no alarm bells go off, because nothing is triggered in immigration to even ask him a few questions. The FBI never tells the Boston Police Department or the Cambridge Police Department, uh, you know, hey, you know, kind of keep an eye on this guy. If, you, if, you, if, you, if he's on some list, I mean, think of this, when the, when the bombing happens, presumably shouldn't there have been a list of suspicious or previously reported to be suspicious right. characters in the Boston area who... Not that you can tra- you know, trail all of them or bug all their phones or anything like that, but at least when something happens, you sort of say, oh, my God, you know, we have a list of 200 here. We need to go investigate right away. It doesn't seem like it triggered even that level of inquiry. It was only when they put the photos out that they really obviously got, you know, flushed them out and, and, and then were able to, and then they went on the rampage and they got killed and wounded. But so I really do think we need to take a serious look. And I don't say this in the way of second guessing. A ton of cops, a ton of FBI agents did fantastic work, obviously, but it, the system did not work, and and that has to be the beginning of figuring out what we have to do now, what we have to learn. And I believe we're going to learn that the international connections are greater than we now think, not not less. Uh, well, I've already been told that all this conversation about there being a problem inside Islam with radicals, et cetera, is just nonsense, that this case clearly proves two things. We need to open up our borders to more immigration, and we need more gun control. Uh, so Tom I hope you Brokaw, got that memo. Tom Brokaw said yesterday that it also we have to really rethink our drone policy because it's antagonizing <laughs> a lot of young Muslims around the world. I mean, that is a kind of denial that makes you worried about the country. I, I just... I, as a, a thing, seemingly normal person, when you see that there's this obvious problem inside Islam as a whole, they've got some radical elements, they need to address their theology, and you try to talk about Islam and you're told, no, 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 you can't possibly even raise the I-word. No, you need to talk about how we need more background checks at gun shows. I, I don't know what to do with that, particularly here in Boston where real live people died. No, I look, I agree. and. Years and years ago, my father once said, you know, said that a neoconservative, which is how he described himself, was a liberal, which he had once been, who was mugged by reality. And a friend of his made a comment that, you know, that's true, and, uh, but some, many liberals can get mugged by reality and refuse to press charges. I've always, <laughs> I've always liked that formulation, because you can, obviously it was a terrible mugging by reality, if you want to call it that, uh, in Boston last week. But it's amazing how many people in, in Boston and also outside, and Jane Harmon and Diane Feinstein on Fox News Sunday just yesterday, I watched them, and I just thought, they kind of know what happened. And then, you know, they're, not, they're good people. They're outraged by what's happened. They, they wish, you know, that they're not friends of terrorists or anything like that. God knows. But they will not press charges. They're not serious about dealing with what happened and trying to make it less likely to happen again and trying to understand the overall phenomenon of the threat we're under. And I think that the danger is less the kind of blindness to reality and more the refusal to draw any consequences from what's happened. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. This has been the Weekly Standard Podcast brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Also check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.
That's it. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. You should have a great show today, I'm Thanks. sure. <laughs> I sure will. Amazing. Thanks. Yeah, great. Okay, bye. bye.